every so often you just have one of those weeks where everything just kind of comes together in the sports world. Of course, uh, this week is a fantastic sports week. We'll see if I get the podcast up by the time the NCAA championship goes off tonight in basketball. Uh, the Masters is on CBS this week, which is one of my favorite weeks of the year. And of course, of course, it all culminates with the blue-white game on Saturday. We're not going to talk a ton of blue-white this, uh, this episode. We're going to go two episodes this week, and that's a format that we're moving to, thanks to the bosses at CBS, to, to have us move to two podcasts a week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more on the football side of things. we got a recruiting-heavy episode for you today of the Lions 24-7 podcast. We've got Alan True coming on from 24-7 Sports to talk a little Midwest recruiting. Tyler sat down with a couple of guys uh, this week at the, this weekend at Jersey Nike, and you uh, should have a pretty good show for you. So thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler, how's it going? Spring weather is here. We've got football in Beaver Stadium on Saturday. So off to a good start this week. Always nice to get back uh, to my home state of New Jersey uh, for this event in particular. It's something I've been able to get to the last six years. Um, got a chance to see a, uh, at least one future Nittany Lion, but as we'll get to in a bit, uh, there were several Penn State interests on the field, and, and overall, a really good day out there for some guys of interest. And I feel really bad if Sam Hellman from 24-7 Sports, our buddy, is listening. I did not mention WrestleMania. I did not mention the best Monday Night Raw of the year, which is going to take place. Uh, so I apologize to Sam and all of our wrestling fans, but that definitely needs to be included on there. Uh, some awesome stuff going on there. Penn State got some news this weekend that should uh, benefit them immediately. Grad transfer wide receiver Western, uh, Weston Carr from Azusa Pacific uh, committed to the Nittany Lions late Saturday night. Uh, it, it was expected. We've been following this one on Lions 24-7 for a while, and he visited Kentucky last week, did not change his mind. He was in for an official a couple of weeks ago uh, at Penn State. Division II All-American, highly productive kid. We talked about him on the show last week. I think it's a really good pickup for the Nittany Lions and really no risk for them uh, to take a guy like this. Again, addresses one of those lingering personnel question marks that they kind of came into camp with. And, you know, James Franklin said just a couple of weeks ago that wide receiver, along with offensive line, uh, were positions where they could go that transfer route again. And we've seen them do it before, uh, bringing in George Campbell later this year uh, by way of Florida State. And can you find two transfers at the same position in college football in any one position room? Uh, that come from different paths such as these with George Campbell, a guy who was well known throughout his high school career, had pretty much every offer a kid could dream of, um, ends up being a five-star recruit, signs with Florida State, spends four years in Tallahassee, and then you've got uh, Carr, who was not offered by anyone coming out of high school, goes the Division two route, carves out a, an extremely productive career, and you mentioned the All-American accolades, and and guess what? Their paths lead to this one final season at the college level for both of them in Happy Valley, and it continues to reshape this position for Penn State. Curious to see how this plays out. You mentioned the maturity. Uh, I said it last week, Weston Carr, older guy. Uh, he's married, so he's going to, I guess, bring his wife with him, hopefully. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. But, yeah, you talk about a guy, you know, Division two level, so no, none of the recruiting hype or anything like that. Productive player at the high school level, but no, you know, wasn't a world beater or anything like that. Goes off, catches, I think, 167 balls in three years, 15 touchdowns his, his sophomore year. So this is a guy that's been productive all the way throughout his college career, where on the other hand, you've got George Campbell, who had all the potential in the world. We're talking about athleticism and size and everything like that, was never really able to put it together. So 
comparing these two, and it's probably a little bit of a fruitless endeavor at this point, but comparing these two, you know, personally, you got to like the production so far of Carr. I mean, you're not sure what you're going to get with Campbell. Maybe something clicks, but you don't know. Carr uh, can turn into a reliable target. I think he's bigger than most people think. He's about 6'2", 200, so he can play on the outside, probably play that Z along with Jahan Dotson this year. But just adding to that wide receiver room, adding maturity, adding depth, adding a guy that can be productive, we'll see what happens. But uh, again, I just go back to it. I really like this pickup for Penn State. This is another reminder that Penn State's passing game and, and who is a part of it right now during spring practices, that complexion is going to look a lot different when this team gets back on the field in August, gets ready for that season opener against Idaho. Not only are we talking about the incoming uh, veterans, uh, Carr and Campbell, you know, they're going to get Mac Hippenhammer back from baseball. They're going to bring in a couple true freshmen um, and, and TJ Jones and John Dunmore. Plus, we've got to account for the fact that Tommy Stevens has not been a full participant during spring camp. So that changes uh, how things are going to operate in, in that passing attack. So uh, there's going to be a, a lot of a lot of question marks about this group overall, but it's going to be fun to see where the progress is. I think they've got an interesting mix of talent. Uh, now they have some experience in there that they were lacking, and we know about the potential from some of these young players. We just got to see how it all comes together. And it'll be fun to, to, to analyze because, you know, if, if Johnson comes back, if Polk comes back, uh, you know what you're going to get from those guys. These are a couple of wild cards you're throwing in there. And, if, of course, you've got, uh, you've got Handler, you've got Dotson, Justin Shorter is a guy that we're really uh, excited to see how he develops in this offseason, and, and Daniel George as well. So you've got pieces in place, and I think it's, a, you know, if Jared Parker is the, the coach that people are saying that he is, then you can see improvement, and that's going to be important. We're going to get to that later in the podcast, uh, talk a little bit about that. But like I mentioned, recruiting-heavy episode today, Penn State with a, another busy weekend. A couple of key guys uh, visiting from South Jersey, Fadil Diggs and Isaiah Rakes. Penn State uh, you know, has waited to get these guys on campus for a while. Diggs has been on campus four or five times, but, but it's been a while. And Rakes they had for camp last year as uh, a guy, a high-motor guy. You saw both these guys at Jersey Nike, so we'll sort of mesh that together. But uh, a couple of priority guys on the defensive line from South Jersey, as we mentioned last week, things may be slipping a little bit in South Jersey after the, the, the coaching changes and you know, Aaron Lewis and things like that. But it's uh, just a really interesting dynamic with these, uh, these South Jersey guys. And I know that's your, that's your domain, so I'm going to let you talk about them. Well, thanks for the shout-out, Sean. Uh, the 609, definitely near and dear to my heart and the football scene down there uh, particularly. Um, Isaiah Rakes out of St. Augustine Prep, same program that produced former Nittany Lions defensive tackle Austin Johnson. Very impressed by, by the, the junior year highlights. A productive player on both sides of the football and, and I love when I hear about this, a 300-pound defensive tackle also playing running back. You know, he, he came close to 10 touchdowns on the ground as that big uh, you know, short yardage goal line back. And you know, not the first time I've heard of that coming from a, a, a Power 5 defensive lineman, uh, but it's always cool to hear that. And it gives you kind of an inkling into what that guy is about athletically. And then with Fadil Diggs, a guy out of Camden, uh, he's somebody who came up with double-digit sack totals as a sophomore and built on that as a junior and now into a crucial offseason for him and, and his recruitment. Uh, both of these guys uh, look like they are starting to come towards the end of, of, of this recruitment rather than just getting to a point where um, they're going to take this to December. Neither of, it, neither of those players give that indication. In Rake's case, he said he's going to come out with a, a list of finalists on May 15th, which is his birthday. Penn State, from what he tells me, in very good shape to be on that list. 
And then things could happen quicker for Diggs. In his case, he says he wants to figure things out this month potentially, if not this month, maybe in May. So maybe a few more visits. Uh, but beyond that, a decision seems imminent. And both of these guys are fresh off a visit to Penn State, each of them on campus on Saturday before making that trip to Jets facilities on Sunday where I got a chance to speak with them um, and they went to work on the field. So uh, two notable players to know, and, and Aaron Lewis, of course, uh, another player to know out of South Jersey, uh, also on the defensive line. Um, Penn State is in his top group, as we know. So uh, New Jersey's been very good to, to, Penn, to Penn State on that recruiting trail, and we know the Nittany Lions have put in work. But I think South Jersey in particular is a spot that is always very much wide open. Uh, a lot of attention goes to that North Jersey group, especially those private schools. Don Bosco, St. Peter's Prep, Bergen Catholic. You know, there are schools that are always going to draw that interest, but it's a little more sporadic in South Jersey. Now, what kind of clout does Penn State carry on the recruiting trail in that area relative to other Power Five programs, Big Ten programs trying to, to recruit the same kids? We're going to learn a lot. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't getting the sense from either Rakes or Diggs that, that Penn State is a clear favorite there. They're, they're continuing to explore options, but I will say both of them's of fans of, of, of Sean Spencer and, and what he's preaching to that Penn State defensive line group. And they also really like what they see ultimately from the competitive nature that they encounter on campus. I think what's interesting with Diggs is the biggest Penn State influence is, is a coach at another school right now, Texas A&M. Uh, defensive line coach Elijah Robinson, who played, uh, I think he played on both sides of the ball for Penn State, was a defensive tackle mostly, uh, you know, early, I guess late, late last decade. Um, he's been a guy that's been in Diggs' ear. He's a Camden native. He's big on those Camden kids, always has been when he was at uh, Temple and then when he went to, to Baylor with Matt Rule. Uh, so that's, that's going to be a tough one, to, to a tough uh, relationship to overcome. Robinson, kind of a rising star defensive line coach in the, in the, uh, in the country, and now he's at Texas A&M, a spot that pays very well. So you know, it'll, be some, it'll be something to see if uh, another school can poach him away, potentially in Ohio State, as he is a Larry Johnson disciple. But that's, that's neither here nor there for this podcast. I just know that they've made a really good impression. Glad you mentioned that because both uh, Rakes and Diggs will be at Texas A&M coming up for their next visit. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on the Aggies here, too. Well, A&M's been, you know, they've been, uh, I guess, a thorn in Penn State side. They got Andre White last year from Harrisburg. You know, they've just been mentioned a lot more in this region, and, and Elijah Robinson's a really big uh, reason, reason for, for it. it. So. Brandon Smith, five-star linebacker prospect who's now on campus, uh, enrolled early with Penn State. He made one official visit elsewhere before committing to the Nittany Lions uh, last year. That was to Texas A&M. So, yeah, interesting to see these two programs cross paths at this rate. More than you would think. Uh, speaking of far away from Texas, Par Parker Washington. That's a nice segue, by the way. Parker Washington, wide receiver from Texas. Three-star kid was up this weekend. Uh, and then uh, beyond that, Landon Tangwall, 2021 kid, was in. And then Kane Barong, who we talked a little bit about the uh, – on the podcast last week, this is a kid that you know has Penn State in that dream school realm, and and that really doesn't mean much to be honest with you, because there's a lot of dream schools out there for a lot of kids, and it doesn't always end up you know working out that way. But Penn State made a very good impression on him. Um, I know you have had a good relationship with him. Always high in the Nittany Lions, always high in uh, tight ends coach Tyler Bowen as well. Yeah, Kane picked up his Nittany Lions offer in January, and that may not seem like a long time in the grand scheme of things, but. In his recruitment, a lot has happened since then. He, he's, he's up to almost 20 offers. That Penn State offer was just his second. Um, so he's got a whole different perspective on what's possible. 
Alabama has offered. Notre Dame has offered. Georgia has offered. He's a Georgia kid. Um, he's got a lot of, to think about and a lot to consider. And, and, you know, he's used spring break to get out and about a little bit, uh, making this trip up to campus with his mom, his dad, his brother, his brother actually celebrating a birthday on Saturday with them on campus. So key thing here so far has been a couple things. Uh, first off, something we've heard from tight end prospects pretty regularly these days. Um, and, and, you know, regardless of class 2021, 2020, these guys notice what's going on at Penn State at the tight end spot. You know, Mike Kosicki uh, was an, you know, an All-American kind of player, an All-Big Ten player, got a nice paycheck uh, as an NFL rookie last year. And, and then who replaced him? A freshman All-American in Pat Fryermuth. Um, Tyler Bowen also has really impressed Kane and, that, and their family. Um, I think they've hit it off in a lot of aspects. Uh, and their conversations, it's interesting to hear some of the stuff he brings up. Uh, like competing in Madden video game and and playing baseball against each other and talking about their their baseball past and so there's a lot more going on here than just talking about Penn State football and and, and Kane as a football player and, and when you hear a recruit kind of go on and on about those conversations with an assistant coach I think it says something and, and ultimately I I don't know what to make of this immediate visit and I'm sure I will catch up with Kane sometime this week to, to get some feedback but uh, I can tell you this is something where Penn State got in early on a big-time recruitment, and I think because they got in early, it's going to make an impact because they were able to, to really get them excited about the program um, almost immediately after that offer and then really get him engaged with the staff and now to the point where he was on campus with his family, getting that face-to-face -face contact. You know, It may not be an immediate ramification where he's back on campus this summer, but I think as the offers continue to come in and as this kid ends up being one of the premier tight end prospects in America, early efforts for Penn State could pay off, keep them in the mix here uh, for the long term. And, you know, I think when you're talking about a high school sophomore, there's a lot that you need to anticipate in terms of changes. But I can't imagine Penn State getting off to much of a better start with this caliber athlete, um, you know, in a state like Georgia. I agree with you. It's one of those things where uh, it, you're not sure how it's going to play out. This kid's going to be a highly recruited, probably a top 75, top 50 kid. And by the way, uh, 2021 ranking is going to come out this week on 24-7 Sports. Um, but yeah, it's going to be one of those things where you have to get in early. You have to establish that relationship. Tight end recruiting going pretty well right now. Penn State's uh, mentioned among some of the top tight ends in the country in the 2020 class, and, and I think it'll continue to go in that. Uh, I think Tyler Bowen's doing a heck of a job. I'll say stop and say that. Uh, he's you know he's got some things some things to work with with Pat Fryermuth and Nick Bowers and Koontz and and Brenton Strange, but uh, he's done a heck of a job uh, developing those guys, and, and tight ends have taken notice. Yeah, I will certainly echo your sentiments on Tyler Bowen based on what we can observe, uh, what's going on on the field at that position, and then what we're hearing on the recruiting trail about Bowen and his impact. And uh, let's also note that he is Penn State's offensive recruiting coordinator, not just the tight ends coach. So a lot on his plate when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, and, and I do wonder about this tight end group for 2020, what Penn State might be looking at. You look, they've signed three blue chip prospects at the position in the last two cycles. Uh, we know all about Pryor, Pat Fryermuth and what he's proven, uh, but, but he was the second highest ranked tight end in that Penn State class behind Zach Koontz, a guy who's, you know, six foot seven, 
and, and you know basketball skills and all that stuff, but has to fill out physically. He's still underway with that process now as a redshirt freshman. And then Brenton Strange, who last podcast we addressed this uh, more at length, he's gotten a lot of strong reviews early, just a few months on campus. A guy who it sounds like he's ahead of schedule. So it's nice when you see blue chip prospects turn into. Uh, really strong contributors on your team. And right now it looks like they've got a good thing going there. Uh, but in 2020, do they go after two prospects at the position again like they did back in 2018? Nick Bowers is going to be the number two guy behind Pat Fryermuth this season, but he's a senior. He's going to be moving on. Danny Dalton transferring to Boston College upon graduation from Penn State. So it's a, it's a, it's a room that we've known for a, a year now was undergoing a youth movement. Uh, but as things shake out and you look at what the scholarship numbers might suggest, um, to me, I think there is there's potentially room there if you if you really like two guys to pair them up and, and kind of do what you did in 2018 uh, and double up in the class. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure it's a two tight end class, but if you've got the guys that are coming in and you find the right guy and he you know he wants to check things out, I mean, you're, you're not going to turn a guy away. A guy like Cole Taylor in, uh, excuse me, in Colorado put Penn State in his top group. Yelverton, who you mentioned already. Uh, Cam Large could be an offense, excuse me, could be a defensive end or a tight end. And, and of course, you've got uh, the five star from Las Vegas, uh, whose name continues to escape me. And I should really nail this one down. Probably going to come back for a visit in the fall. Uh, Eric Gilbert from Georgia, another five star kid, probably going to be back for a visit in the fall. So you've got options at the tight end room. And Sean, in the final days of March, uh, you get the word from Lucas Unger out of New Jersey, a, a Penn State tight end target who had put the Nittany Lions on a group of favorites. Uh, he is heading to Stanford. Um, so, you know, there is one name to cross off the board. Yes, yes. Um, that, that one probably could have seen that coming a little bit. But when, you, when you've got your targets in, in Jersey, um, you know, you kind of expect things to go a little bit longer. And, of course, Theo Johnson, who I just kind of glossed over because he seems to be Penn State's top target at the position. But Penn State's, you know, in the mix so heavily. You just kind of forget about those guys sometime. Uh, it was a busy weekend. Theo Johnson right across the uh, the border from Michigan. A bunch of Michigan kids in over the weekend. And this was a, a bus trip with the Rising Stars bus trip. And for that, we're going to bring in Alan True to talk a little Michigan recruiting and some Midwest recruiting. You can find Alan on the Notorious B1G podcast uh, every week with Steve Wiltfong, of course, on 24-7 Sports. He covers the Midwest, but has a great emphasis in Michigan. Alan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So a bunch of kids in this weekend, a couple of uh, offered prospects on that bus tour. Of course, you look at Ian Stewart, and they offered uh, Bryce Austin this weekend. So Penn State trying to, to do that thing where they just pick apart, uh, not pick apart Michigan, but pick a couple of guys out of Michigan. They've had success with Donovan Johnson, K.J. Hamler, and of course last year with Lance Dixon. You know, what's Penn State's uh, approach to, to and, and how do you break into Michigan, especially with Michigan and Michigan State there? Yeah, I think that it was always important. I, I think when you're a school coming into somebody else's territory, getting that first domino to fall is always the hardest, and they've done that now. And then KJ, uh, I, I think, has been a huge part of that because he's had success in the field, and it brings visibility to Penn State's program to kids in the state of Michigan. They're always paying attention to what KJ is doing, always looking at his highlights and, and Twitter and that kind of thing. So. He was the one that, that needed to happen. And so after they got him and Donovan, you're able to follow that up with Lance Dixon. And now I think they're, they can ramp up some efforts. For a while, they were dancing around and getting close to getting one of those big fish. They were in, uh, they had a commitment from LaVert Hill, 
They were in on a couple other guys like Ambry Thomas, who were top guys in the state of Michigan. And I think for this next wave, um, they had they had success in Michigan prior to Coach Franklin and his staff getting there. But KJ was to me the key domino that fell for this staff. And now they're able to ramp up those efforts. And Tim Banks, who is a Detroit native, went to Detroit King. He spearheaded those efforts. And um, this Rising Tours bus tour that just came through, that is the same organization that KJ trained with and uh, that Lance trained with. So I I think that relationship has been very strong. So you take this next group that comes in, and then I think from there you branch out, you know, maybe outside of the Rising Stars family a little bit. But uh, Penn State certainly having a lot of success in the state of Michigan. Penn State not shying away from offering defensive tackles in this uh, in this cycle. We know how far, how hard is those guys are to find. I mean, you you're talking the 6263 guys that are eventually be 300 pounders that can move. They offered Bryce Austin this weekend and that's pretty interesting. There's a, there's a couple of guys that they're pretty well in on in the region but went out and offered Austin. What does Austin bring to the table? I know you've seen him a couple times. Yeah, so he um, less than 2 years ago was a middle linebacker playing middle backer at 6'2", 240. And I think he always knew that his future would probably be with his hand down, but wasn't sure how soon that would come. And and he, to his credit, a lot of kids will resist a move like that. He did not. He, he saw that that's where his future was going to be added. A lot of good weight, probably 280, if not more now, and still moving around like he was when he was a middle linebacker. So I think that's why schools like him so much, is that he has an athletic background, very explosive off the ball, very strong kid, still learning how to play the position a little bit, but played it really well for his first year as a junior. And um, missed the recent Ohio Nike, or not Nike, the Ohio opening regional, so we didn't get a chance to see him against some of the best in the region. He's going to go to a different one, and I, I think he would have a chance to maybe move up in the rankings uh, once we see him against that competition. But a very explosive kid who I think still has his best days ahead of him because he's still learning how to play deep tackle couple of receivers in Michigan Penn State's after Ian Stewart and Ernest Sanders Sanders wasn't here this weekend Cameron Martinez as well I know he's a guy that you're high on he's an athlete from Muskegon that plays a couple different positions but receiver seems to be a good spot or a good position in Michigan this cycle and Penn State I think has made a couple of those guys you know a fairly fairly high priority yeah and, and for all those guys first with Ian you know him being was on that bus tour and him having trained alongside with KJ and Lance since he was an eighth, ninth grader. I think that's going to help Penn State. Um, I think they're battling right now more so Purdue. Uh, if that, that might sound a, a little bit of a surprise to some, but I think Purdue's really the school that they're battling with more so than a Michigan or Ohio State that's also offered Ian. But really like Penn State. I think the missing link there was that he just needed to get back to campus and, and see it again, and, and uh, it, it's been a while uh, and he, I don't believe that he had been to Penn State since he got offered. This was his first visit as an offered prospect to Happy Valley. So I think that really moved things forward, and I could see Penn State really, really rising to the top of the list there. Those other guys, that's going to be a priority now for them to follow suit and get to campus. Ernest Sanders likes the idea of Penn State. That was a big offer for him, but he's a great basketball player. His team um, was playing you know, deep into the playoffs, got to the state title game. So he didn't have a chance to visit a lot of schools. He did say Penn State's one he wants to get to. I think he's going to try to get to some schools closer to home first because it's easier for him to get there during the school year and then try to get to Penn State a little bit later in the spring, possibly early summer. Same thing with Cameron Martinez. Just went on a big bus tour with his teammates. That went uh, more to the west as far as the Big Ten schools. But he said Penn State is a huge priority for him to get to. I don't think he wants to drag the process out too long. Um, the Penn State's one of the schools he really needs to check off his list. 
before he feels like he can truly make a decision. So that'll be uh, the challenge for Penn State is to have those guys on campus after they've been to some other schools and uh, try to top what they've already seen. Penn State making two defensive backs a priority in this class. You've got a crystal ball pick in for Penn State with Enzo Jennings and, of course, Makari Page, a former teammate of Lance Dixon. Those are two really, really good players. I mean, there's, they're, uh, I think, number three and number four in the state by 24-7 sports. What is it about those guys that make them priorities? And at a lesser extent, and this is fascinating to me, you know, knowing that I cover Penn State and in-state offers are, are treated a little bit differently for Penn State, but you see no Michigan State offer for either of those guys. So it's just a very interesting dynamic to, to add with Jennings and Page. Yeah, so first, as far as those two guys go, physically you don't see um, a lot of kids that have their size and athleticism. Enzo Jennings can play corner at six foot two. 190 pounds, runs pretty well. I think it's, it's funny that he, you look at his testing numbers that he put up at the opening in Ohio, and you look at the way he's built and his style of playing, it's pretty similar to Joey Porter Jr.'s. Um, similar numbers, similar lengths, and, and they can play on the corner at that size, but if they keep growing, they can also move over to safety. So, so you feel safe about taking one of those guys because they're, they're going to play somewhere depending on how their body continues to develop. So I think that's been... Uh, what has allowed Enzo to be recruited at the level he is is the ability to play corner at six foot two and still, you know, running four six on the laser, being able to keep up with some of these faster receivers. And then Makari is almost he's six three plus, uh, extremely rangy, very very long, and can play that kind of center fielder, free safety. And uh, on a team that had a lot of stars on that West Bloomfield team, Lance Dixon was obviously on that team. Makari's been making a lot of plays for them since his sophomore season. So he's always been a standout at a school where it would be easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle with all the talent they have. As far as Michigan State not offering those guys, Michigan State is, is pretty unwavering in the way that they recruit, especially I think at the defensive back position. They are very heavy on come to our camp and work out, let us see you, let us work with you. And neither of those guys, did that, and I think that's what's kept Michigan State from offering both of them, um, even though they are clearly two of the better players in the state of Michigan. And, and from my my standpoint, not a criticism of Michigan State, how they do things, just wanted you to explain that, and I appreciate you doing that. You saw Grant Houtant, the Penn State commit at the uh, the opening regional last weekend. Uh, what'd you think of him? Because this is a kid that just seems to continue to improve. Yeah, so I've seen Grant a lot over the last couple of years, and he started off as this big kid that needed to develop and he's he's done that and he didn't even play offensive line really when we first started seeing him he was a defensive end and a tight end and just continued to grow into his body and then obviously had to figure out how to play offensive line and uh has always had the potential but i think you really start to see him now the light coming on him turning the corner and that's definitely come as a result of him going outside and, and working with rising stars and not just kind of resting on his laurels and, and going after and going competing against some top competition. So he goes to Rising Stars and goes against a guy like Bryce Austin every Sunday. I think that's helped him you know, kind of spur his development uh, a lot. And he, and he obviously has great natural tools. He was a kid who was a, a gymnast growing up, but still has that flexibility. Played varsity basketball again this season and played it well enough that uh, Mark D'Antonio and Ryan Day came to a practice. Both offered him scholarships. Uh, after his commitment to Penn State, but they, they had a chance to see him hoop and uh, see how he moves at that size. And then what really impressed us in Ohio now is that he's putting it all together. Um, obviously, that was great competition, and it was the best that I've ever seen Grant perform. Uh, he was confident. 
he was putting together the technique he learned. He's clearly gotten stronger. And that's partly, you know, that along with Barton Simmons, uh, our director of scouting, taking a look at his athletic profile with the gymnastics and the basketball and some of his testing numbers, he felt like he was a guy that deserved to be in that lower four-star range, and I think he can keep moving up based on where his trajectory is heading. Grant will be at the blue-white game on Saturday. Still a, a high pri- or excuse me, a highly targeted uh, player for a couple of other schools. You mentioned Ohio State, Michigan State still involved there. So Penn State going to have to uh, to continue recruiting him uh, and, and and do their thing. Alan, uh, grab bag last. What do you have from the north? Uh, excuse me, from the Midwest from from us from a recruiting standpoint. I think the other state other than Michigan that they're heavy into right now is Ohio, and there's a couple of new offers there. I, I think uh, Bengali Kamara out of Akron. He's a, a kid who can play safety, but probably will be an outside backer. Uh, maybe has some similarities to Lance Dixon in that regard. He uh, was recently offered by Penn State. Really, really, really like Penn State. Our Ohio expert, Bill Green, has got a crystal ball in for Penn State and him. Uh, definitely don't disagree with that. He, he's really high on Penn State. And then Ben Rather, offensive tackle that they offered recently. He also really likes Penn State. Starting to blow up just a little bit, so I don't know if that one's going to end super quickly. I think he's going to try to get to some of these new schools that have offered him. Penn State's certainly very high on his list there as well. Well, Alan, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. A very informative to 11 minutes from you. Uh, you can check him out. Of course, he's on Twitter and the Nor- Notorious B1G podcast, which I'm a frequent guest on as well. Check him out. But, of course, he's always on 24-7 Sports. Alan, thanks for joining us. No problem, Sean. Thank you. Good stuff from Alan, as always. Very plugged into the Midwest. You can find him, of course, on Twitter, 24-7 Sports, and the Notorious B1G podcast. Uh, moving on, Penn State had William Nixon on campus uh, the last couple of days, wide receiver, another wide receiver from Texas. He's actually a legacy. His father, Jeff, is the running backs coach and co-offensive coordinator at Baylor. Uh, the State College roots all together. His grandparents are in State College, so came up to see some family, checked some things out. Uh, plan to talk to him a little bit later. But uh, uh, aside from that, you spent the weekend in your home state in New Jersey with the Jersey-Nike opening regional uh, a lot of talent there, headlined by a very good group of wide receivers, and of course, Julian Fleming. Yeah, we'll keep the subject on that position because that was, when looking at that roster, what I wanted to see was this group, and, and they lived up to it. No surprise that Julian Fleming would go out there and, and look every bit of the five-star, a guy who's vying for contention as a number one player at his position. You could argue number one player in the class overall. Now, two things happened that I expected. One was he got everybody's best. Julian Fleming shows up to a camp now. Everybody on the defensive side of the football should be looking at that as an opportunity. Every wide receiver should be looking at it as an opportunity because if you can measure up against this kid and hold your own and look good out there, people are watching. There's going to be video of this. People are looking. And, and Julian Fleming is just one of, one of those names right now that, that is everyone's aware of on this recruiting trail. So he got everybody's best, and there were times when it was taken to a level that it didn't need to be. Guys got grabby, were pushing him a little bit much, and it's because who he is. You know, that bullseye's on his back, but I thought the way he bounced back, that was the thing that didn't surprise me either. He handled that very well, that aspect of it. I'm sure you've seen it at camp settings. I've seen it, uh, you know, even at the opening finals where it's the best of the best in the country, where some of these guys mentally check out when they get challenged and challenged and challenged. And, and, and people trying to basically call them out and their five-star status. Julian Fleming, you know, check that off the list again. Cut a lot of contested passes. Again, I thought he got everybody's best shot. Beyond him in that 2020 class, uh, really hard to ignore 
uh, uh, Jaden Dotton out there. He's another guy who's you know six foot three. Looks like he's approaching six foot four, about twenty five uh, pounds more slender than Julian Fleming. Uh, but he's somebody who, who also can get really full extension for the football. And he was he was another guy who also impressed me with some of the stuff that you know not going to show up on the highlight reel. He kept grabbing his hamstring, his left hamstring. I don't know if it was cramping up on him. If it was something that he came in to, to camp with an issue there. But every few reps, he would really have to stretch it out, jog around, and, and get back in the line. And he was taking as many reps as possible. Um, so you see some guys who have all the offers, who have all the star rankings. When something like that happens in a camp, they might just sit it out and say, I'm good, I got my stuff, what do I have to prove? He was gutting it out. And, and afterwards, you know, when we spoke, a story's up there uh, on Lions 24-7 from our conversation. But you know, the first thing he said was, yeah, I, I was hurting. I was hurting, but you know, he, he wanted to compete. And I, I like to see that, in the, even if it's on a camp setting, from a guy who's already well-established. Yeah, Dotton's a guy that they've focused on along with Fleming. And, and obviously, Fleming's the guy in 2020. I don't think there's any you know debate about that or anything like that. But they want to sign two, maybe three of those guys. A uh, little light on numbers right now. Of course, the grad transfer is plugging some holes right now. But you're not really sure what that wide receiver room is going to look like uh, you know, after those guys move along. So... Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with Dotton. Uh, my, my crystal ball is still on Penn State. He was just down this spring, and he's going to check out some other schools. Michigan heavily involved in there as well, and that's that's a, definitely a school to watch for him as they've been very active in New England. Uh, but Dotton's a guy that uh, would, would, would complement Fleming very well if, should Fleming come, come around to Penn State. So uh, 2020 is obviously good. 2021, really good as well, led by Dante Thornton, the Penn State commit. Uh, everybody that I've talked to, I mean, this kid's got some some serious talent. Um, gonna be, I think, highly ranked when the, the rankings come out on twenty four seven sports earlier, or excuse me, later this week uh, in the twenty twenty one class. Uh, loved this kid for a while, and apparently he backed it up at Nike. Yeah, and I was very intrigued. Obviously, when you see the listing of a six foot four sophomore, you want to see, you know, what's that all about in action. And he was very fluid. I mean, to see a kid that size, that age, putting it together and running his routes, uh, you know, with precision and and the guy who just, he seemed to catch every pass in stride. That was what really stood out. And, and uh, part of that, you know, the quarterback play was, was pretty darn good on Sunday afternoon. But also, he just really seemed to have that coordination that a lot of taller, bigger high school receivers lack. And that, that's often what poses a challenge when they make this leap. I think we've heard something along those lines with Justin Shorter heading to Penn State and being a big-bodied six-foot-four guy and, and what it takes to, to kind of get smooth and, and be able to get in and out of your breaks. I think there's a bit of a head start for Thornton in that regard, handled himself well. And, and right there in that 2021 class, I would say he wasn't as impressive as Thornton, but Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, he's showing that it's more than just about the name. His father, fifth all-time in the NFL and, and career receptions, who was there on the sideline and, and in, involved with drills at times, Thought this kid, uh, again, the, the route running was very precise, and he's another smooth kid uh, at six foot three in, in that range. And, and, and getting to speak with him afterward, uh, you know, he's, he's taken in the process. I think Ohio State seems to be in a good spot early there, uh, but another player in state in that 2021 class that Penn State offered. We know that's a particular recruiting cycle, Sean, in 2021 that looks like things are going to really open up a bit um, on home turf for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, you may see double-digit offers go out to Pennsylvania prospects in 2021 from Penn State. It's a really, really good group. Harrison, you just flip on his tape, you can see the pedigree, elite ball skills. He's still coming together, I think, as an athlete, but once that ball's in the air, he knows where it's going, he knows what, which angle to take, and that's something you, you really can't teach. So 
Uh, what's interesting here, and I know you talked to some of these guys, is that the Penn State's wide receiver room, obviously no secret, last year was was terrible. Um, the, the, the drop balls, the inconsistency, the, the, the numbers were down and everything like that. And that's something that guys have mentioned. And um, Julian Fleming was one of those guys. It's just he, I think he wants to see more out of uh, the wide receivers, wants to see more out of Jared Parker, see what he brings to the table. And and, and I think that'll go a long way in figuring out which direction this recruiting uh, process is going to take at wide receiver. Uh, you talked to Dot, and I thought he, he had some interesting comments. Uh, we can roll that clip. So I've had a relationship with him for a while. And, you know, I just, I, my visit this past um, month was, you know, seeing him in a new setting, see how he coaches the new receivers and things like that. Um, I'm already pretty close, um, pretty close with Coach Spencer. You know, he's a Connecticut um, recruiter guy. Um, so I already have a great relationship with the whole staff i just had to see you know coach parker in person i haven't seen him since the summer franklin is yeah. a lot of energy um he always got a smile on his face too um he wants the best for his players um he's very vocal he'll let you know if you know you slip up or anything like that but he also lets you know that it's, it's for the better and, you know it's to help develop and that's he's doing a great job doing that from what i see and just to follow up on that, you know, I think there is a sense of energy in that re receiver room right now that just wasn't apparent in 2018. Uh, you know, there was just a lack of confidence from that group. Um, you know, you could read it in the body language. You could see it when you interview these guys, and it's just the way it was. It turned into a snowball rolling down the hill. Uh, and here we are, and, and I think they've hit the reset button a bit with Jared Parker, who, you know, by all accounts is a guy who comes to work very enthusiastic about everything that's on the table ahead of him. I think he's made a really strong early impression on not just these players, uh, but also other members of the Penn State staff. When we hear about his name, uh, there's definitely a buzz in the air. And we'll see. I mean, he's going to have to show that he can close with these recruits. Uh, he's going to show that he can carry it you know, down to the finish line and maybe get involved with some of the other guys who will pop up here between now and December and the signing period and different guys who, who will be on that radar. But I think Dotton likes where things are at right now with Parker. I think he's very comfortable there. Um, and I think certainly things are rolling in the right direction with Julian Fleming. But you know, as Brian Doan reported uh, on 24-7 Sports on Sunday, uh, Alabama visit is coming up. You know, there, This is a full comprehensive exploration underway for Julian Fleming. Things are trending towards a, a settling moment uh, in, the, in the recruitment of Dotton right now, Sean. He says he'd like to commit before the season. Um, he doesn't have any visits planned. He's not going to go to any spring games. He made a bunch of visits in the last few weeks, including that stop at Penn State. Purdue, Syracuse, um, Michigan, those are three of the other schools he mentioned that are really treating him like a priority. He thinks he will do like back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back official visits in June. He's not sure to where, but that, that window closes June 23rd. That, then you can't make official visits anymore. Whatever he gets in on before that wire, I think he'll be content with. And then I think from there on, it's really when he's going to feel comfortable. It could be in late June. It could be, you know, at his season opener. But sounds like somebody who wants to get this done before his senior year kicks off. Yeah, and this is the guy that we had earmarked uh, potentially ready to, to close the door last July, I think, when he was on campus. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Thornton obviously committed. He's still picking up offers. Oregon offered him today. Marvin Harrison, as you mentioned, probably an Ohio State lean right now. Uh, a couple of the PA kids in that group and, and uh, Harrison's teammate, Kyle McCord, was the quarterback MVP. There's a big Penn State target in 2021, also an Ohio State target in 2021. It seems to be leaning that direction as well. going to be interesting to see how that one falls because this is a kid that was very high on Penn State to start. Ohio State comes along. They kind of sweep him off his feet. But Ohio State, of course, is, is recruiting him. 
really high at, at a really high level as they always do. And a guy like J.J. McCarthy from Illinois, who Penn State's also recruiting in 2021, could impact his status. So we'll see what happens with McCord. But obviously another good showing from the, uh, the, the Rutgers legacy. He was, you know, he was as advertised. And he's a guy that, you know, you don't look at him and, and see somebody who's going to be six foot five uh, and, and, and wows you physically. But he's out there making every throw that they ask of him. Um, again, this is a challenging day for the quarterbacks because they don't know what to expect from these receivers. They're not on the same page. So you see a lot of miscommunication. He just seemed to be in control of a lot of the drills they were throwing at them. And Brian Stumpf, who was overseeing the quarterbacks yesterday, does tremendous work with student sports, you know, the Elite 11 group. They don't mess around. They put these kids through the ringer, really try to get a feel uh, for where they're at mentally. And, and he was out there with Drew Pine. And those are two quarterbacks, Sean, that, that we've heard about for a while. And from a young age, I think Penn State was one of those several programs that offered Drew Pine before his first high school game, uh, committed to Notre Dame now. And I was curious where the separation would be there, if there would be a separation. And I've got to go with, with, with what the Elite 11 coaches determined, quarterback MVP, uh, you know, to McCord. And, and I think you match that up that on, in a camp setting like this where we're going to start to see him make his mark with the track record he has in place at a program that they've established at St. Joe's in Philadelphia. Now, he stepped into that huddle at a young age, a lot of Division One athletes around you expecting big things inside, outside of that program. And, you know, you really like what this kid has accomplished through his first half of his high school career. We'll, we'll see where Penn State goes from here, but the Philadelphia doesn't produce this level of quarterback very often. And, and quite frankly, uh, you know, I think Pennsylvania, you look at the last five, ten years or so that I've been really following it, um, you know, he's up there with one of the better quarterback prospects to step up. I agree. Um, he's he's my number two in the region behind Caleb Williams out of D.C., uh, another big Penn State target. Uh, we'll see where that goes. This kid, I think, was built to be a quarterback, which sometimes that's sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes not so much. But uh, he's a good feel for the game. You saw it in his game tape last year, led St. Joe's to a state title, and just a really phenomenal player and is a guy that Penn State would like to get back on campus this spring. Um, in addition, from Pennsylvania, uh, Elliot Donald, 2021 defensive tackle, of course, nephew of Aaron Donald at Pittsburgh Central Catholic, and uh, he's a really good player. And then Elijah Judy, off the edge, he's, he doesn't have the pr prototypical size, but he's got tremendous quickness off the edge. I wouldn't be shocked if Penn State offered him in the near future. And uh, a couple of defensive guys keeping on that track that are older, 2020 guys. Cody Simon, I, I thought he was the best defensive prospect out there on the field during the non-lineman drills. Now, Trey Williams, the Clemson defensive tackle commit, did his thing in the defensive line group. But I thought looking at Cody Simon, a guy who looks very, very comfortable in pass coverage, it looks like you do a lot of things for a defense without leaving the football field and creating some kind of liability. And he looks like he could do it early in his college career based on the physical development. And then Jordan Morant, a guy who's number one in 24-7 rankings at the safety spot in 2020 class. Been to Penn State several times, but it's been a little while since that last visit. I thought he also went out there and said, hey, you know, this, this, I'm, I'm out here validating my rankings. I'm going about my business. And, and you know, sometimes, quite frankly, you'll see guys go out there, you know, juniors, sophomores who have those kind of rankings and ratings. They'll go to a setting like this, and they'll take it for granted, and they'll have a rough day. These guys came ready to go. Those were two that stood out on defense, but particularly to me, Cody Simon, who I think everyone is, is looking at Notre Dame very hard for him with St. Peter's Prep, with his older brother there, the frequent visits, but he did just check in in Happy Valley, and, and positive momentum has carried over from that visit, uh, but it's still pretty fresh. You wonder how that's going to transform into the summer and, and if he'll look further into getting back to Penn State.
a lot of good things uh, to say about Penn State was Cody Simon, and and I and I'm still at the same spot I've been for a while. I'll believe it when he's when I see it that he he'll go somewhere other than Notre Dame. But I think Penn State made us uh, it certainly made him think if he's one of those guys that wants to blaze his own trail and do his own thing, you know, Penn State makes sense for him. Jordan Morant, I took my crystal ball from Penn State to Cloudy last week. Have heard, you know, some of that shine has worn off. You mentioned he's been on campus several times, but hasn't been back lately. And I think that's uh, that's interesting because he talks about wanting to see other schools and he's seen Penn State, but still you want to get these guys back on campus and, and sort of uh, reestablish yourself. And so far it does not look like Penn State has done that. Been a lot of turnover in Jersey. David Corley and Phil Galliano were two Jersey uh, regional guys in terms of recruiting. Now you're working with some uh, some other guys in there and still trying to gain a foothold in, in North and South Jersey. And, you know, that's obviously a place you can't let get too far away because there's everybody's got their hand in the cookie jar there. Uh, other than that, uh, Nike, Nike opening regionals uh, will roll on. We'll see them in D.C. next month. You'll see them at uh, the Under Armour camp at the end of April. So any, uh, any closing thoughts there? How about some takeaways from Jets facilities? One, Saquon Barkley shows up, makes everybody's day again. He was out there uh, talking smack on the linebacker group and cat and mouse drills, really cheering on the running back group. And, um, of course, he's a guy who's very attached to Nike, and this is a Nike-affiliated camp, but – uh, his younger brother, Ali Barkley, who was also there at the camp last year. Uh, surprisingly, I think coming up on his senior year next year, which is, is crazy because I remember first hearing about him. You know, I think he was going into his sophomore year. So brothers on the field, Saquon's out there. That was a cool moment for everyone involved. Um, and it's always nice to cross paths with Saquon any chance you get a chance. Uh, and then the additional thing here was just a quick story. I saw Sam Darnold walking by. You know, We were in, in, in his home facility. Um, and it took me back to seeing him for the first time at the opening. Uh, and he was like the total mystery man. He was the second ranked quarterback in his recruiting class behind Ricky town. Um, Ricky town ended up transferring before his first USC game. Sam Darnold goes on to become a uh, number three overall pick in the NFL draft. And he was a guy who had thrown seven touchdown passes through his junior year of high school. I remember it was like, this kid's got a lot you look for, but who is he? It just kind of reminded me for as much as we try to put, stock and, and, and all these camps and what we see at this point and all these guys who are just through you know the sophomore years or junior years the recruitments have a long way to go and I just thought it was a nice perspective reminder seeing Sam Darnold and uh, you know knowing that he was going home to his mansion considering he was very much uh, you know the the 13th guy out of 13 on that quarterback list that people really knew much about when he was a high school prospect well it's funny because we were talking about Kyle McCord a little bit earlier he's been a guy that's been on on the radar since he was a freshman. You mentioned Drew Pine, who was committed to Notre Dame, has been on the radar since he was in eighth grade. And like I said, sometimes being built to be a quarterback or being you know, trained to be sort of a robo QB all the way through might be, uh, might be going against what's, what's advantageous for you. So that's uh, Darnold's one of those guys who obviously you know, went with a different approach and it worked out well for him. And on one last Penn State note, I know I hit on it in the conversation, but Dante Thornton really does look like he should be one of the best wide receivers in the 2021 class. Um, it's something that I think you and I have discussed, and but you never quite know until you're out there and, and you see him going against the power five caliber defensive backs in, in a setting like this and, and see what his physical and mental makeup is. He passes those tests on, on first evaluation. So I think Penn State started off that 2021 class very strongly and, and, and hope to have Thornton uh, on for a conversation very soon and, and, and catch up w with his recruitment, maybe what he's doing to build the class. But, you know, again, very impressive uh, work out of him.
Yes, uh, our readers know on Lions 24-7, I'm pretty conservative about the younger guys, but uh, some of the listeners not, might not understand this kid's got a chance to be really special, and I've kind of tapped the brakes on things, but uh, this kid's he's, he's really, really good. We hope you enjoy, have enjoyed us. Um, it, we, our, apologies if, our apologies if our audio has been on and off. This is the second time we've actually recorded today because we had some audio issues that uh, kind of killed the, the first run through. But uh, we thank you for hanging with us uh, on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Again, check us out on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, all that kind of stuff. And we'll be back later this week to talk blue-white weekend, blue-white recruiting, and a little bit more. Thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast.